Oh yeah, and as another aside, my car doesn't have air conditioning, and it's about 90 degrees out here in Indiana right now. But... <laughs> oh man, you're suffering for it. I love that. It's great. <laughs> it's fine. And yeah, not surprisingly, this isn't the first time I've done something like this either, but... Yep, no, I hear you, man. I know. You we... gotta do what you gotta do. Why, hello there. This is the Concert Podcast, and today we bring you part one of a little chat I had with Mr. Chuck Staten, frontman for Senior Discount, host of the Chuck and Brad Podcast, and all-around great guy. We got to speak to each other over the phone, and it was a really great conversation. I'm glad we're, we were able to set this up. Now, as I stated earlier, this is part one. I don't usually split things up like this, but full disclosure, I had this whole episode finished, and then when I went to go post this to the website, I come to find out that the file was too large, so so I had to do the next best thing, which was to split them up into two different episodes. Don't worry, part two is coming soon, but before we get too far, let's get into this one. Chuck Staten of Senior Discount. Enjoy. I mean, we can transition this back to the band. Have you ever... It's like, have you ever traveled in the vehicle that didn't have air conditioning? Oh, hell yeah. Um, yeah, we used to have a, let's see, we used to have a van called The Gladiator. We called it that because there was a VHS copy of the, of the movie The Gladiator stuck <laughs> in, the, in, in the VCR in the van. And it's funny because it's not even, that's not even our joke. It's, it's the band, the van was owned by uh, the band Monty's Fan Club before us, which was a great band um, that really kind of like helped us along and helped us get started. And actually, the lead singer of that band, his name is Steve Aiello, and he's in 30 Seconds to Mars now. Oh, right. Um, yeah, he's the basis of 30 Seconds to Mars, but uh, they sold us the van, and, it, and they're the ones that had Gladiator stuck in the VCR. But, like, you know, the early the early vehicles we used were, you know, as cheap as could be. I mean, they, they, you know, they still are. I mean, right now, we're probably traveling to shows for the most part in our own personal vehicles, but back when we had these huge... You know, we wanted to be cool guys. We wanted to be cool on stage. We had these huge half stacks that we didn't need. You know what I mean? I have like, like the amp I have now is my is the best amp I've ever had, and it's like a, a small combo amp. Um, and uh, back then we had these huge half stacks with this big trailer and this van. And oh man, yeah, we traveled without without air conditioning all the time. We had a uh, yeah, oh yeah, we were very did the rough stuff, rough traveling. Because <laughs> I always hear stories about the bands like that's the first van that they get. And they'll be oh, traveling. Yeah. They'll be traveling around like that. And of course, for like summer tours, if you go through the desert or you come through the Midwest or anything like that, and it's really fucking hot out. And then by the time they upgrade, it's like holy shit, this is amazing. Like we finally have air conditioning now. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly how it feels. <laughs> and I can relate to the whole half stack thing. The old band I used to, it's like the old band I used to be in. Like that was, like of course they wanted to be cool and they got they they got they threw money at like the big nice like Marshall half stacks or like the cranks and everything like that and that was probably you know the nicest stuff that we had as compared to what we were playing through and everything else but yeah exactly yeah yeah you just you know when you start being in a band you know you you have your your things you gravitate towards and they're not always the most important things and uh for us it was like these huge huge monster amps that um that really didn't sound nearly as good as like the the amps we'd eventually settle on years and years later and then where did and at what point does that mentality kind of change like then you just kind of go like you know i don't really need this that's more just for 
like aesthetic or cosmetic purposes like I can get something better like that's not like you that know, but for me honestly I, I will say like I, I'm not embarrassed about it but I do feel like when I first was in the band um, first started playing music uh, I just didn't know a lot of stuff like when I you know we started the band when our bassist was like he had played bass for a long time and he wanted a band but we agreed to be in his band, me and my, my cousin Christian, who's my drummer, um, without ever having played instruments. We were like, we're going to be a band, and we'll just start practicing. We'll just start practicing all the time. And that summer, we practiced five days a week. We played for like, we probably practiced for like two years um, before we really started playing out, uh, you know, a lot. And uh, But I was learning the whole time. So when we started playing out, I was still learning. Like, I couldn't really tune my guitar when we first uh, started playing. Um, you know, I got all my equipment from the original lead guitarist of my band um, because I just trusted him, and I, and I knew that you know he knew more than me, and he did know more than me. But as time went on, you know, I developed my own taste and my own knowledge and all stuff like that. And uh, uh, honestly, I think that my last uh, amp died. I think that the last amp died, and it made me really uh, examine, like, do I need this huge thing? Um, and I kind of went to Guitar Center and I just started playing around. I'm like, oh, I don't. I can get one of these awesome smaller ones. And I found an awesome Fender one. And I feel like my guitar sounds better than it ever has on stage. So for me, it was almost like just the, the normal learning curve of, of, of like technical equipment. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's you know, just that kind of thing. It's one of those things you kind of just pick up along the way. Like, yeah, yeah. You 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 start. You know, it's weird. Like when I first got my my first guitar. I just picked it out because of the way, you know, when you first, first, you know, learning about electric guitars, you probably don't know that much about sound and what you care about. Um, and my first guitar was like, I'm trying to think, I think it was a Fender, and it had a locking tremolo on it. Do you know what that is? Uh, yes. Yeah, and I was, I, I was like, ah, I just like it. I just like the way it looks. I like it. It's cool. <laughs> and that locking tremolo was, I totally did not need it. And the, and the thing was such a pain in the ass to tune all the time because of that. So, you know, that's how it is. When you're when you're kind of learning how to be a musician, you know, you're kind of figuring things out piece by piece and, you know, little by little. Right. I mean, the, yeah. first, I mean, the first guitar I ever bought, I bought solely because of, you know, the name on it, essentially. But Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's how it is. Um, so, well, it's like, okay, well, actually, you're off on track. We'll get back on track here. Um, so how's it going today? Pretty good, man. I'll be honest with you. I I, uh, I work nights, so I woke up like 15 minutes ago. I mean that's to I mean that's totally cool. I woke up I think probably like two hours ago. Yeah, I uh, I do a lot of film work. I do a lot of film editing, and I I it's, I do a lot of that. Um, you know, after uh, my girlfriend goes to sleep, so I probably I, I start a lot of my work around midnight so I work until four like almost every day and work on film stuff um and so I wake up pretty late <laughs> I mean do you have a reason for that mine was that I was watching a wrestling show last night and I didn't get back until late and then I just did you watch it. NXT oh yeah were you at NXT no I was not I went to a watch party that's just around this oh, area man. but I love I, I wanna I it's funny cause I've, I've been really busy recently we usually have a big summer stand party for tonight, and uh, we didn't set one up. But I'm going to uh, I'm going to I'm going to text some people and see if people want to come over tonight and watch SummerSlam. I love that, man. I, I haven't. How was the NXT show? 
It was good. Yeah, I bet it was great. Was Ricochet amazing? Oh yeah. Like I are, love him. It's like, are you gonna watch the show later? Uh, I, I, you can, you can spoil it. Don't worry about it. Spoil it. Okay. Um. So there was one spot in the, there was one spot in that match where he goes for like the I say moonsault, but Adam Cole is standing up and he hits him with a super kick like while he's mid flip, and it looks oh. like and it catches him in the jaw and like everyone I was watching that with, we just stopped what we were doing, just sat there in silence. That I think we just killed a guy in the ring. Oh man, that's awesome! Like it oh, looked Ricochet is incredible. Like it looked awful, but you know it was a really good match. That's great. I'm sure it was a great match. Yeah, Ricochet is the best. Yeah, yeah. I. Uh, it's funny because it's one of those things where you have this like <clears throat> historic feeling inside you that uh, staying up late and, and like basically like getting up late means you're like lazy or something. So I still have that inside me, even though I know that you know I worked from midnight until 4 a.m. on film projects, yeah. um, and that's kind of what I normally do. So, but yeah, I I, uh, I I usually have a good reason for it. I mean, I would happily stay up to watch uh, NXT with my friends. It's uh, a good reason, but uh, yeah, like almost every day, I probably stay up until 4 a.m. working on film projects. And to circle back around, that's also why I couldn't do it last weekend, because last Saturday I went up to Chicago for a progress show. Oh, nice! That's cool. And then the next, and then the next day was, I just had one of the worst migraines I've ever had, and then I got an email from you after I woke up saying, "Oh, sorry, I forgot about this." So. <laughs> that's cool, man. Whenever it works out, you know. Yeah, it's fine. So you're you're a big you're a big wrestling guy. Oh yeah. Man, all right. I'm gonna just real quick, real side, real quick side thing. I got so back into wrestling, like, a long time ago. Like, probably, like, I'm talking, I think that CM Punk's pipe bomb thing is when I first got back into wrestling, so that's a while ago. Yeah. Um, and I was totally in, and I, and I love, you know, there's a million things that happened between then and now that I love, that felt great. But when they split into two brands again, and they made it to be SmackDown and Raw were two different shows... It just felt like too much for me to keep up on. It's, yeah, there's probably that. I mean, I'll admit I haven't watched the weekly shows in a while. I mean, I also cut my cable not too long ago either, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm mostly catching up on podcasts. Like, that's how I'm keeping up with the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes, that makes sense. I love the Wade Keller interviews on uh, Stone Cold podcast. Like, I'm hoping to listen to the whole SummerSlam preview today before I watch SummerSlam tonight. Yeah. too much and when I I was like kind of checked out like when I watch the pay-per-views I'm not as into it because I don't know the storylines you know what I mean right so it's difficult um I do love it I do love it it's just it feels like it's too there's too much to to stay on top of right now I would love it if it went back to one you know one series of shows right so, I don't know we'll see, we'll see what happens I mean I did the same thing I went to go sing a Ring of Honor show a few months ago and I don't watch that show at all mostly because they don't really broadcast out here that much to begin with. Or if they do, it's, yeah, at, like, right. it's at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning where they start playing their weekly shows. Yeah. But I went right. to that one, like, completely blind. I know who the people are. And, yeah, right. And, of course, we were in Chicago, so it was, you know, Bullet Club everything around there, but... Yeah, right. It was cool. Um, so, uh, so you just woke up, like, two hours ago. Or not too yeah. long ago, oh. but... Not too long ago, yeah. Oh, so when I texted you, it was okay then? Oh, yeah, yeah. I knew we had an interview at 12.30, so that was professional. 
<laughs> week, week at 1215. <laughs> hey, as long as you're still able to do all the things that you want to do, then it's then there isn't really a problem. Yeah, I agree. That's right. Oh, I was gonna. Oh, yeah, I was gonna ask you first. Did you have to? Like, do you have any like time restrictions today? No, not really. No. Okay. Um. So, for anyone listening to this, we'll take this back as far as we can. You contacted me over a month ago, and that was when I was like eyes deep into my whole warp tour thing because whenever you do press for that, you start getting bombarded with emails, and then. Yep. Inevitably, when you do that, some stuff slips through the cracks, and unfortunately, yours was one that kind of did that. But I did find it again. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And then it was just a matter of let's find a date that we can actually do this because, like you said, you work. It's like you work long nights to you work long nights. I have a yeah. I have a full time job, so I can keep doing things like this right now. You know, sweating in my yeah. car, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I uh, basically. Uh, you know, I was—I really wanted to push the album in every way we could, and uh, yeah, if, if, I don't know—I don't know if we've really—if you're going to do your own intro, but since we haven't really said anything about it, but my name is uh, Chuck State, and I'm from the band Senior Discount. We have a new album called The Best Revenge, and uh, yeah, I really wanted to push the album any way we could. So I have been contacting press outlets, and uh, I'm pretty good with staying on top of it. Like I keep a big spreadsheet, and uh, you know, I'll wait a week or so or maybe a little bit more than that, maybe 10 days, then I'll follow up, and then I'll follow up a third time, just in case. Because it, it is true that a lot of people that are busy, stuff just kind of falls through the cracks and they miss things. It's not because they're like, oh, I decided I didn't want to do this, or I didn't want to do this interview, or I didn't want to cover this, or I didn't want to do this review. It's just like they got busy and, they, and the email got buried with other emails. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I always try to make sure to follow up because I know that that can happen easily. So it's it, it's... I'm I'm always glad that I do. I think other people are, would be less uh, less um, willing to continue to write the same publications and stuff like that. It's like, hey, just you know, just you know, um, just wanted to check back in on this and blah blah. But I always do that because I know that emails can kind of just fall through the cracks. I mean, there was an old promoter from around this area. When I say around this area, around the Indianapolis area, that's I asked him how he usually books shows and the way he. And the way he very not so subtly put it was, just annoy me for like a week straight, and then I'll finally get you on a show. Like, so. yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's funny because it's an art. It's a it's a real art. The idea of reaching out to somebody to say, you know, yeah, either a book or I want to do your show, or even the way that I reached out to uh, Paper and Plastic Records to talk to them about signing us. You know, you just gotta you gotta give them all the information up front, be polite, and then you know you wait a little bit, and then you say, like, hey, man. I understand, you know, you never know what happens. Just want to check back in on this. And the idea of being like, oh, does this person completely want me to stop talking to them or, or should I continue to write and try to get through? It's a funny thing. I'd rather be the guy who's a little bit annoying about pushing through <laughs> than the person who doesn't, you know, get the fun thing to work out. You know what I mean? Right. And so. I've had... And I've had moments like that myself where I reach out for interviews and wonder, like, am I emailing this guy too much? Or, but then sometimes it just goes back to, well, fuck it. I've never met this person before. If they say no, then they say no. Let's just keep going and see how long I can keep doing this. Yeah, but. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so we'll get to, so we'll talk about the record here in a little bit, but I'll go back to the beginning. But yeah. let's go back as far as we can. Um, just tell me about Senior Discount. Well, Cedar Discount, uh, it was a, it's funny, like, I always, 
loved like punk punk rock and punk scotch, pop punk, all that stuff. And in high school, I kind of just felt like I was like, man, I'd love to be in one of those bands, but it's going to be so hard to learn an instrument. And uh, the truth the truth of the matter is, I guess if I think about it, I did take guitar lessons when I was in eighth grade, and I broke my finger three times in a row playing basketball. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. Um, and uh, it, you know, it really discouraged me from going back to guitar lessons. And um, but by the time you know we, we ended high school, I really loved the local scene in Providence, which, which is where we're from. I really like loved all the, the bands. I wanted to be part of it. And like I said, we had a bassist, a guy who played bass, who was like, "Hey, man, like let's start a band." And so we did. And it was it was it was really fun. And right away, we you know we, we had to learn our instruments and kind of get our bearings. And it was great because we were lucky in that when you're a band, you know, you, especially when you're starting out, you can kind of sound like a lot of other bands, or you can kind of lack a a real a real identity. And right away, we got this great opportunity to play this big show, but we had to move some tickets and really promote really hard. And um, I was going to school for film, and. We were trying to figure out how to get out to more people and get more tickets. And I know it's going to sound crazy, but the band started in 2004. So that's when we started playing shows. So I was like, you know what? What if we did a short comedy video to help push the show? And now I think that's normal and, and you know, bands do whatever they, they can do to promote. And, and because of the world of, of YouTube and Facebook and all the different stuff, bands are constantly doing like funny, fun things. But back then it was really, it was kind of strange. And we started doing comedy videos to push our albums and releases. And we right away, we kind of fell into the camp of funny bands like Blink-182 and No Effects and stuff like that. Right. And um, I think it gave us an identity right away around, you know, New England in, in terms of playing in, you know, Rhode Island, Connecticut, you know, Massachusetts, and eventually New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, wherever. Um, it really informed kind of who we were, especially also because on stage we do like to joke around a lot and be funny, um, and it just really fit our personalities and brought our personalities to the forefront right away for people, and that was a big, big help. So um, when we first started, it was really kind of a, a lucky thing that we were able to hook into that real part of who we were while we were learning what kind of music we wanted to make, you know what I mean? Right. So, um, so it that, that was good. So was that... So when you're doing that, was that easier knowing that then you could be more of yourself rather than having to, I don't want to say playing a character on stage, but I guess I'll kind yeah. of go in that direction. But I think that basically when you start out, in your, you know, if you're a younger guy and you're in a band and you're, and you're going to, you know, start playing shows, it's probably weird right away. You probably, you know, gravitate towards what, you, what you've seen and you wonder what you're supposed to be doing and you're... Yeah, you're kind of probably being like a fake version of yourself. But because of the success of these videos right away, because they were super successful, people really responded to them, it just felt like right away we could all be ourselves on stage and it made sense. Um, and we were really lucky for that. So that was, that was a, a real positive thing for us. And we probably got put on that track faster than a lot of bands get put on. Then again, some bands don't really have an, uh, you know, an on-stage identity. Like, you know, one of my favorite bands that influences us the most is against me and against me in terms of having stage personas they just put on crazy raucous shows they don't really talk on stage and they don't really say a lot of stuff or, or have much of a personality on stage they just come out and they kill it and i think that that's kind of their statement which is great 
and that's great for them. Um, but uh, especially when you're starting out, you're playing a lot of smaller shows, and you're playing a lot of shows where people aren't there, where there's no one there. And really, the key to those shows feeling fun and the people at those shows having a good time is connecting with a small amount of people in the audience. And we were able to break through and do that, I think, because it felt like our personalities were accepted up front. Right. You know? And, and like, and I've been to shows like that, too. Like, one of my favorite live bands was The Chariot, which was, the, which anyone that's ever seen them knows, knows, like, they don't really talk to their audience. They don't really do a whole lot. They go from one song to the next, but they, it, it's essentially a car crash that they put on stage, but somehow yeah. it's able to, it's, Somehow they made it work, but... Yeah, 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 that's cool. Um, but, to, but on that vein, when I was in a band, when I was in a band, like, it was more, like, it was more of a hardcore band, and some of the, like, some of the person, like, some of the personalities of everyone that was in there, like, it didn't really fit them at all, they were trying to be all hard when they really weren't, and when I got on stage, like, and I'm, it's like, and I'm a pretty, like, socially awkward person, so mostly what I was doing was almost like borderline comedy sets in between songs and then going into the next one, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> and so you mentioned the YouTube thing, thing, which, you know, I just talked to a bunch of bands like that who said, like, that's almost something they have to do now just to, you know, try to make themselves stand out. Because does that kind of go along the lines of, like, try to keep yourself in as many things as possible to, like, maintain a presence out there? I think so, and I also think that uh, I think that when you're, um, I think that when you're a creative person, you probably gravitate towards just wanting to express yourself in different ways. Like I think about that all the time. But I I do a lot of weird stuff. Like so, I'm in the band, and I'm you know I'm the lead singer of the band, and uh, I take care of all our design work, and I do a podcast. And I do a lot of filmmaking work. I do a lot of filmmaking work with the guys from uh, the TV shows of Practical Jokers and Comic Book Men. Um, and I do, like, live comedy. I do stand-up comedy, and I do live comedy with my podcast partner. Um, and I think a lot of people might look at that from the outside and be like, oh, that guy's doing too much stuff. But to me, it all fits together in my head. <laughs> and I think that just, like, when you're a creative type, you just kind of like to express yourself. So... For me, anyway, if, if I was in a band and, uh, you know, the band was doing well or something and, and there was some opportunity to do, you know, a comedy video to promote a tour or to promote a new album or, or some idea that someone brought up to help us promote something, I'm going to jump at that idea because it's a fun new challenge. And, that, that, and that's basically as, as simple as it is. It's just like, oh, man, it'd be fun to do something different. That's, you know, I think a lot of creative people are like that. Right. Yeah. So I was trying to remember, there's an older musician I used to see at shows around here here that would just go to some whenever his band was having a night off or something like that and he kind of, he referenced at one point saying when I was first starting out you know the internet was becoming a bigger thing for musicians all you needed was like one or two pages and now you have to have like a billion of them just to like try to I keep know. yourself out there yeah yeah I know it um yeah it's, it's funny that, that's that's one thing that actually kind of annoys me is that like um Sorry, my mom is calling me. I'm texting her. I'm going to call her back. Uh, <laughs> no, you're fine. Uh, uh, basically, you know, I we have a, a you know a Twitter and an Instagram and a Facebook and a YouTube, um, and I I do get bummed that like it's like oh you know you're supposed to have a certain amount of followers on each one and you want to have a respective following, 
but it's so hard to be like, hey, everybody, follow this and push this and push this when you ha when that's going to be split between you know four different, five different, six different pages for different things. It's like holy shit. Like, it's the same people. It's like it's like if someone sees the stuff that we're doing on Instagram, why do they have to follow me on Twitter? What if they don't use Twitter? Right. right? But you have this weird responsibility to feel like you want to look. Uh, successful and look popular enough, so you you know you push it. It's honestly, I do think it's kind of a pain in the ass, but what are you gonna do? No, and if one page is bigger than all the others, because one's like, and we'll mention YouTube here, that one's more visual and that can get more traction that way. Whereas another one's like, why would I follow in this one? Or maybe it's just not as big, or you know, all the other like ins and outs and all the other things about it, but. Yeah, it's such a pain in the ass. Like it's it's crazy too, because like I do, it's crazy. I I you know on Instagram, I have like over four thousand followers. On YouTube, I have like a hundred and thirty like followers or whatever it is, because I don't give a shit about it. <laughs> I don't give a shit about it. And it's like it's really it's really weird. I feel bad. I'd I'd like to have more people subscribing on YouTube, but. uh it's weird, like, I've noticed that because of Facebook and the social aspect of Facebook, um, I basically, when I put up videos, I put them up on YouTube as, like, a courtesy to whoever wants to look on YouTube for stuff, but really we put videos up on Facebook, and we get, you know, tons and tons more times of views on Facebook because we're already interacting with people on Facebook. Like, you know, I put up a comedy video we did in December. We put up, we did a series of videos. And I think that, that the total views on it is like 4,500 views on Facebook. And on YouTube, it's got to be like 150. But it's because, you know, socially, we're using Facebook 100% of the time to talk to people. So if we're going to put up a video, we're going to put it where people are. Right. Plus, if you, if, you put, if you take a YouTube video and you put it up on Facebook, Facebook is not going to push it as much as if you put up a Facebook video on Facebook. Right. You know what I mean? They'll, they, won't, yeah. they won't push it as much. So what are you going to do? No, and I've run into, like, social media fatigue on some things when I'm pushing out my own content. Yeah, of course, man. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm primarily on Twitter just because it's, I can, all I have to do is just hit two buttons and then it's out. But then I don't. Yeah, right. And that is where we will leave off. Part two is coming soon. Until then, check out Senior Discount's new record, The Best Revenge on All the Things, and be sure to listen to the Chuck and Brad podcast. Episodes are at chuckandbradpodcast.com. As always, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and follow us on all the things at Consort Live. And as always, your home for the best in live music coverage is at conc.art. That's conc.art. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.